This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, Mackenzie Johnston. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's market recap. Today we are chatting with Comstock Investments' Joe Camp. He is Director of Managed Programs at Market Focus LLC, a division of Comstock Investments. So to get things started, let's talk about this corn market. It has taken quite a hit over the last week. What are your thoughts on it going forward? Also, is this weakness a buying opportunity? It seems like a buying opportunity in that there was definite action that indicated we were bottoming out on the chart technically. And then just mechanically, it makes such a difference that we rolled forward into this new month of March because last month, February, ended with first notice day on the last day of the month. And that turned these nearby March contracts into deliverable cash contracts. And so you had that sort of mechanical influence where everybody had to decide to liquidate or roll forward or take delivery. And on the speculative side, there was just a lot of outright outright liquidation. There was also some spreading, but that really was a negative for the market and the way it developed and put the buyers in more of a hurry to exit than the sellers because you did have also on the cash side of things less of an incentive for the end users or the commercial hedgers to really want to take delivery considering there was a weakness in the spreads and uh, also recently in basis for most areas. So fast forward to to today, we're beyond that first notice day. We're into the new month. After a five-day straight slide for corn and soybean futures, we were technically oversold enough Uh, that we got a bounce and it came in the form of some bargain buying both on I think the speculative uh, chart side and also from the commercial end user standpoint where they were seeing value back into the market and stepping back in and at the end of the day even with you know basis recently weaker and the spreads recently weaker we're still seeing that basis in general is seasonally strong historically strong in a lot of areas and the spreads at least the nearby contracts are still uh, sharply inverted. So we have that, uh, I think, a positive in this market and all ahead of what I still believe will likely be some semblance of a spring rally for corn futures to go on the backs of those usual planning worries and the early uh, growing season risks. So tentative, but cautiously bullish here on the corn. So USDA's outlook numbers last week showed this year's corn ending stocks rivaling that of the 2019 season when prices struggled to break the $4 mark. Some people are wondering if we're going to have a replay of 2019 with that $4 corn. Is that out of the question? It's not out of the question because, you know, we've seen this market sort of turn irrational. And as the saying goes, the the market can seemingly be irrational longer than you can remain solvent in the sense that you're trying to back what is still likely a long-term bullish outcome for grain prices, but yet appreciating the volatility that's been heightened in this market really for the past three years. Beyond that, before that, we had the trade war and all that was going on there. And that's one reason why I think 
it's very different today than in 2019 when we were just finishing that back and forth and starting to get China back into the mix as a core customer. And at least for now, we still do have China in the market for U.S. corn and soybeans. For soybeans, there's always this worry about uh, Brazil and the crop coming online. For corn, we need to see some sales pick up. But it's this time of the year, uh, since 2019 really, uh, that the Chinese did start to step into the market and buy corn. So I think it's the, the lower likely scenario that we're going to head all the way back down to something like $4. But it's a, a scenario that we still want to have uh, you know, some attention paid to. And, and that would probably go into the, some of the strategy and the recommendations to at least expect higher prices, but still be hedged for some of these worst case scenarios. Soybeans continue to outperform. What are your thoughts on the bean market? What are the contributing factors that are making it as strong as it is today? And what do you see going forward? You mentioned the outlook numbers for corn. They were negative. Uh, The USDA calling for a sizable acreage increase over last year. But for soybeans, that number came in uh, under the average trade guess and was just about even with this last season. We have the USDA already starting with a quote-unquote trend line yield that would be a record high of 52 bushels per acre. So now we're having to live up to that in an environment where we're already tight. And relative to corn, uh, it seems like a lot tighter when you're talking about just just over 200 million bushels of corn uh, instead of more than a billion bushels of corn. And and that shows in the stocks-to-use ratio Uh, being tight on soybeans and and leaving us with a generally more bullish outlook there. The real driving factors still continue to be the drought in Argentina. And even with a big Brazilian crop filling the pipeline, uh, I go back to the idea that China will remain a better than feared buyer for longer into the season. And that should help the soybeans stay uh, generally propped up here. What did we see in this week's USDA export sales report? It was uh, pretty disappointing. Yeah, which would make it more of the same, right? Because uh, this has been several weeks, several months now that we just really haven't been too excited about these weekly sales reports. Now, it's not that we haven't already priced that into the market, though, necessarily. We would like uh, the Bullswood certainly to see a turnaround and some improved demand to come on these export numbers, but at least they're not falling uh, to levels that give us too much worry, at least at the moment, about the USDA having to lower their their targets. Like we talked about China, they're still buying U.S. soybeans, and to date their commitments are higher than a year ago, even though the USDA looks for total soybean exports to fall on the year. Uh, And you just have, I think, the idea that um, uh, for wheat and corn, the worst is is almost over and that we should get some demand in the corn market because of, uh, for one, China's lost supply from Ukraine. And for the wheat market, similarly, I think uh, we're likely seeing that the lowest uh, priced competition out of Russia uh, may be behind us and we could get some better demand to come out of future reports. What are you hearing out of Brazil and Argentina when it comes to their crops and their weather down there impacting their crops? Still split with Argentina facing a severe drought, but conditions much better in Brazil. Overall, though, I'd still call it uh, that 
we've got stress on those crop production estimates and we'll have a test of that next week with the upcoming March WASDE report. The USDA is expected to come down slightly on the Brazilian crops and significantly on Argentina. So even with a big record, big and record crop in Brazil, the estimates are starting to fall and that can be friendly. Uh, and then the lost supply in Argentina is still supportive. That's very much uh, an underpinning of this soy complex. Did we see any notable moves in the livestock markets this week? Livestock have been really interesting because cattle futures, as you would well know, uh, knocking on the door of contract highs. They had technically a bit of a, a bearish move last week with an outside day down off of those fresh highs. But we're optimistic because of what we know to be tight supply and, and robust demand, and that's been expressed in the cash market. Uh, we were anticipating higher prices yet as it developed uh, today, and we'll check on that and see how the market reacts next week after really a strong Friday for the cattle futures. Even with corn higher, the feeders were able to bounce as well. And so we've got a, a fundamentally very strong cattle market still. It's just whether or not technically, speculatively, seasonally, uh, we might have some correction to come. And we're wondering, you know, how we might use that to, to hedge for our producers and brokerage customers. On the hog side, you know, they're a little bit different in that uh, relative to the cattle. They've got more of a premium over the cash market right now. And I think that that's something that's been a headwind, at least over these last couple of sessions for the for the hog board here. And um you know, we'll have to see next week if seasonally we can still get a, a little bit of upside for these cash hogs. We know, like the cattle, the supplies are still declining. And uh, overall, we're pretty optimistic about uh, demand. If you, if you are optimistic about beef demand, I think you should be too on pork because of the current discount that's still held uh, pork under beef. So uh, Friday, though, a good, good positive day for all of the livestock contracts. Next week, we have the USDA crop production report coming out along with the WASDE report. What can we expect for both of those reports? Well, the crop production report, uh, it's going to be interesting as we get um, into this next month. Uh, really no new news until we get, uh, in terms of the new crop, until we get to the end of the month and have that perspective plannings report. But the WASDE report will be interesting because we can see if there are any uh, changes or revisions to the demand side. More important, though, on this next crop report is going to be the international estimates. So again, for South America, and again, the expectation being that we should see cuts from the government analysts on crops for both Brazil and Argentina. And then curious to what the USDA does for estimates out of the Black Sea, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, what we see is still some optimism that they're going to keep that grain export corridor open and be funneling quite a bit of supply out of that region. But at the same time, then production estimates going forward uh, should likely have to fall from here as the conflict continues and as there's uh, still a pinch on production uh, going forward. So those are going to be the most notable things. The last thing is always going to be to keep tabs on China, even though those numbers are very hard to pin down. It's still going to be um, an influence to see whether or not we have any moves up or down for the Chinese corn and soybean import forecasts. 
For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.